Good evening, everybody. Good attention. Can you lock down the back here as all right? Skulking off at the back. If, if I hear any chatter at the back, honestly, this is called Bible school for a reason, because we do old school discipline, all right? No, not really. It's, uh, it's really, really great to have uh, Sir Peter Cavanagh here with us. It's not really. He's not, you're thinking, is he actually a sir? He's not, you've not been nice, have you? I know you've been in London for a while, but... If I have been, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> we were joking, saying Peter's probably the guy that uh, you've seen on Sky News pulling the Extinction Rebellion protesters off the top of the tube. <laughs> So, um, but you know what, tonight it's, it's a real privilege to have Peter uh, with us, he's going to be here this week and next week as well doing a couple of sessions on understanding the Bible, uh, you know I've been blessed enough actually to hear some of the content that he's going to be sharing with us tonight already, so you are really really in for a treat, but as always at Bible School we just encourage you, you're going to get the best out of it if you lean in, if you give it your best tonight and apply yourself, so uh, let's give Peter a hand as he shares. You're not with us, I know I'm from London, but I don't be reminded of the London Zoo. Uh, it wasn't me that said it was the monkeys. <laughs> Well, hello, everybody. Hello. Oh, isn't it dark? Eh? <laughs> Ever since the clocks went back, we were at a church yesterday where there was a terrible faux pas. Right. Did you know I spoke French? Yeah. <laughs> What's the French for faux pas? Where the, uh, where the speaker was told, now the session must end by, what, half past 12? So he's so we got to half eleven and he said, Well that's it now, let's all go for lunch. And it's because no one at the church knew how to change the clock. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all going off for lunch at half eleven. <laughs> well I didn't say no. <laughs> Everyone sat downstairs munching away going, Well it's a bit early, but oh I was hungry. <laughs> Well, anyway, first of all, thanks for coming out on... Is it Tuesday? Tuesday yeah, yeah. It's Tuesday night. I know Wednesdays because that's The Apprentice. Um, <laughs> oh, Lottie. Oh, Lottie. Um, yeah, thanks for coming out on a Tuesday night. We're going to be here tonight and next week, right? Yeah. yeah. Same time, same place. Uh, for those who've never seen me before, uh, I haven't really pulled anyone off what you've ever... <laughs> I can barely even get on the tube. <laughs> As the doors open, I say, we've got room for a small one. And I try <laughs> but I, uh, uh, my name's Peter Gavan. I was a pastor for 20 years. Um, I don't look old enough, I know, but I wasn't. <laughs> I uh, pastored in Cambridge. I pastored in Torquay, which is almost where I was born, somewhere around there. I then taught at Mattersea Barber College for a little while, five years, six years. It's all a blur, you know, life's a blur. And, um, and then uh, about a year ago, a year and a bit ago, I began doing um, doctoral studies. Um, so I'm full of imposter syndrome, I've no idea what I'm doing with that. But, uh, doing doctoral studies in theology in London, so that's, that's the London connection. But I'm really from Devon, just with a posh 
accent. <laughs> 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 Those of you who may remember Louise and Tim. Yeah. 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 So I was Louise's youth leader hundred years ago. <laughs> and I was there at a meeting where I prayed for her. She fell under the power, hit her head on the overhead projector. <laughs> Everyone remember the overhead? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I miss that. <laughs> but she was fine. She received the baptism with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so I've been a big part of um, Louise's life. I had Nina, that's her sister, and something so, yeah, no, so I know I know all those uh, like they're like they're like family to me. Um, so what we're going to do for the next couple of nights is the edited highlights, and it's been so skillfully edited. But I'm just doing parts one and two of what is actually an eighteen-part extravaganza. <laughs> so if you thought Lord of the Rings was long. Uh, I used to teach a course at Mattersea called something like How to Understand the Bible or Understanding the Bible. And, uh, and it was 18 sessions long and everyone had to write a paper. Members of God have to do some of this stuff that I'm going to talk to you about tonight. So that's how you've heard it, isn't it? Mm. And, um, yeah. So I hope you've got a Bible. And if you have, let's begin. You're all sitting comfortably? Yeah. We will begin. Uh, Second Timothy would be good, wouldn't it? Second Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 15, if you're on your, your, your Apple Bible. <laughs> You'll know this verse. NIV says, do your best, King James, study too, right? Is that right? Yeah, do your best. To show yourself approved. Do your best or study to show yourself uh, to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So let's begin with a dirty, foul, evil-smelling word. Work. <laughs> Did you spot the word? Sorry, I can barely utter it. Work. Sorry, I'm coming over all faint. <laughs> in order to handle the word of truth you have to be a workman don't you yeah. Yeah. or a workwoman a work person <laughs> to handle the word of truth and what we want to talk about tonight and next week is how to correctly uh, King James rightly divide the word of truth. That tells us two things. Number one, as has already said, it involves a bit of work. It means it won't be a free gift. 
it means that you won't have the gift of understanding the Bible given to you by God. It will involve some work. We'll talk about what all that means in a moment. So that's the first thing. And the second thing that's implied by that verse mm -hmm. is that it's quite possible to incorrectly handle the word of truth. Mm -hmm. there. And who's Paul talking to here? He's talking to Timothy. Now, I don't know what you know about Timothy, but I bet you think he's a Christian, don't you? And, you know, he is. You will wait for a shock. <laughs> he was a Christian leader. And he was still a Christian. <laughs> he was Paul's personal protege. My son in the faith, he calls him, doesn't he? Yeah. And yet still, he has to say to him, in the first century, in the New Testament world, in an era of, uh, today we call it revival, they call it normal, <laughs> that he had to work to handle the word of truth so that it could be correctly uh, taught. And so it's going to involve some work and it will involve avoiding pitfalls of reading the Bible in, uh, for want of a much better expression, the wrong way. How is it that two people can read a text yeah. and completely yeah. see completely different things? And quite often, it's because of the glasses they are wearing. You know when I said everything is getting blurry? Well, it sure is now getting um, It depends on the glasses you're wearing as to how you come to read the Bible. And whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or whether you came to the Lord a couple of years ago, you've already got yourself a pretty firm set of glasses already, even if you just came to the Lord you know, in the last year or so, you always got a pair of glasses whereby you read the Bible through. And by that I don't mean literally, I mean the way it passes through your mind. So we want to correctly handle the word of truth. Here's something amazing. In the New Testament, there was a fabulous preacher called Apollos. And if you're making notes, let me just give you the reference, Acts 18 and verse 26, and while he's preaching, I mean, if, if Apollos was in town tonight, you wouldn't be here, you'd be there. You'd be, you'd be listening to him. So we don't need to hear Cavani. Anyway, you can get him on DVD. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be at Apollos, because he was brilliant. Yeah. Acts says that he taught with great passion. And yet here's something that happens in Acts 18. It says, Aquila and Priscilla uh, listened to him preach and thought, wow, he, he's really got some fire, you know? Yeah. But then they thought, yeah, but there's a few wonky bits in this sermon. <laughs> now, that never happens here. <laughs> but, but he thought, there's a few wonky bits <laughs> in this sermon that, that's not quite right. And the Bible says, says that they take him into their home and they 
explain, I think it says in the King James, explain the word of God to him That's more right. adequately. Yeah, yeah. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. I've got a speaker. App. <laughs> May I call you Paulus? <laughs> but, oh dear, dear, you've got no idea about it. And they, and they have to teach him. Yeah. And by the way, it wasn't just Aquila that taught him. <coughs> Priscilla, the, the lady, also taught him doctrine in, the, in that class. Can yeah. you say amen? Amen. amen. Yeah. Yeah, the lady said amen. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So, so they have a scenario where he was on fire, but his doctrine, the way he understood the text was, was askew. Timothy is given the same instruction. Even Paul, it is said, in Acts 22, sat at the feet of Gamaliel. In other words, now don't, I'm not being um, in any way disrespectful or sacrilegious, but he did not just sit at the feet of the Holy Spirit to learn the, the ways of the scriptures. Yeah. He also sat at the feet of Bible teachers like Gamaliel, who was in the first century, a pretty famous kind of guy. He had a big, big Twitter following in the first century. <laughs> <laughs> and so, very often we would have, uh, when I was at, at Manasseh, maybe not so much in recent years, but sort of yesteryear, if people got the anointing, whatever that is, <laughs> they'd be told, well, you don't have to go to college. You've got it. And we used to say, no, if you've got it, you better go to college. I want you to imagine this. You are set for major surgery tomorrow. So you go to your nearest hospital. Where's the nearest hospital? King's Mill. Okay, just in case I get ill. <laughs> King's Mill, Jane. Put it, put it, put it. In front. <laughs> something funny about the coffee. <laughs> so you're at, you're at King's Mill. Is that the name of a loaf of bread? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> You're at King's Mill. Don't fill you with home, does it? No. <laughs> the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> you're at King's Mill and you're about to have a major operation. Yeah. And you learn, someone says to you, by the way, your surgeon is a Christian. And you go, oh, who shall I <laughs> my surgeon is a Christian. Isn't that lovely? Oh, don't, you know, you're on your phone. Oh, yeah, Nancy, my, my surgeon's a Christian. Isn't that nice? Oh, that's nice. But then when he walks in, he says to you, now just before we begin this operation, I just want you to know, I have not been trained. <laughs> I've, I've got no knowledge of how to do this operation. But I want you to know, <laughs> I've been a very dedicated Baptist all my life. <laughs> <laughs> or even Assemblies of God. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the DVDs, even of Cabana. <laughs> you would say, excuse me, I, I, maybe you should operate on me. I don't care if you're a Christian. Well, you say, I, uh, the guy says, well, I, I speak in tongues. Marvellous. But can I have somebody here who knows how to do this operation? Yeah. Even a guy who hates God, bring him in. <laughs> right? Rather than someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. So I want to absolutely commend you 
and commend anyone for being full of the Holy Spirit. But that's clearly not enough. In order for us to be workmen and women who can correctly handle, rightly divide, the Greek word used there is, it, it was a word to measure stones accurately. Today, the nearest equivalent is probably the spirit level. You know when you put a picture up and you get the spirit level. And so it's great that, isn't it? Because the picture looks great, but the ceiling, you realise the ceiling's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the picture's fabulous. But why did we pay 250000 for this house? <laughs> it's a lovely picture. <laughs> it's the equivalent of a, and no, no pun intended there, a spirit level. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it, it, that would be the way to describe it, so that, you can, so that you can put the picture up correctly. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Now, here's an image, a London image. This is a picture of me just missing this tube. <laughs> to uh, Piccadilly. And um, if you're familiar with London, you'll know. It's funny, it's actually changed over the years. When I used to go as a kid, used to hear on the, on the uh, platforms, mind the gap. Anyone ever hear that? Yeah. Mind the gap. Yeah. Now they're a bit more specific. I noticed this time it said, mind the gap between the train and the platform. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't worked out what the gap is. <laughs> so we've got to be a bit more specific now. Clearly someone sued them and they've got to do that. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> you didn't tell me it was between the train and the... Ah! <laughs> mind the gap. Now, what they mean is the gap between the platform and the, and the tube. Yeah. And uh, I'm one of these guys who, um, if, you, if you don't know London, let me tell you, the best place to get on the tube is right down the end, where there's nobody there. Or, you know, there's less people there. And, uh, but, but, the, the, but the downside of that is when you're in the far end, and I used to do this all the time, the gap is a bit wider when you get off. So who needs, who needs Holton Towers when you've got to get off at Leicester Square? One small step for man, <laughs> one giant leap for an overweight man. <laughs> Mind the gap, because there's a gap. I want you to look, if, if someone's near you has got a physical Bible, this doesn't really work quite so well on your phone. But looking at a physical Bible, that is an old book. Yeah. I mean, I know you, you said, well, I bought it two years ago. No, what's in it is a very, that's a very old book, right? It's a foreign book. Jesus did not speak in English, did he? No. <laughs> he did not speak in English. Right. That's just Jesus texting through. <laughs> amen. So you can say amen because that's Hebrew, of course. <laughs> this. This is a very old book. Yeah. It's thousands of years old. What's in here? Thousands. Yeah. It's a foreign book. It's not just written in another language. It was written from another culture, mm -hmm. in entirely different 
to the one I'm in and the one you're in. And even if you go to Jerusalem, and even if you go to Corinth, or you go to Ephesus, and you put yourself in the locations, no, you're still thousands of years. Gap, aren't you? Yeah. Between the writer and you. Yeah. So the Bible, I know, I know everyone will know this, but let me just say it. The Bible didn't fall out the sky, did it? No. And suddenly it's there. The Bible has a whole load of authors, different authors. Now, of course, our faith and our testimony is there's a single message. Because ultimately, there's a single author. Yeah. All scripture is breathed out of the mouth of God. Mm. But the way God breathed out of his mouth is he breathed into real scenarios and situations that were occurring to bring about the writing of the scripture. So let's take 1 Corinthians, just by way of example. 1 Corinthians did not appear written on the wall in golden giant letters in a cave, written by an angel. 1 Corinthians was initially in the mind of a Christian like you called Paul, yeah. who realized this is a nightmare going on in that, in that church. <laughs> I'd better write to them. Yes? Yeah. And somehow, in the amazing work of God... The scenario of, of church clashes and nut drunks at the communion and all the things that are going on in Corinth, sexual immorality, that whole, and their misunderstanding about the resurrection, all of that is on Paul's mind as he one day says, right, we need to, um, we need to write to this church, and he probably dictates the letter. He probably doesn't write the letter physically. So probably he gets a scribe, say, Nathan, and so I'm Paul, and as I, I say, okay, Paul, an apostle sent by God to the church at Corinth, and, and he starts to do it, and the scribe is, you know, writing it all down. Yeah. And it's a real church, a real situation, but in the amazing work of God, it becomes part of the scripture. But at the time, Paul thinks he's sending a letter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So one of the ways we, one of the things we must do then in order to understand, let's take 1 Corinthians, just because I brought it up. One of the ways we have to understand 1 Corinthians is, okay, who's Paul? Yeah. Who are they? What's going on? And we dive into all of that. What's, what's Corinth like? Why are they having these problems with, with meat offered to idols. That's not a problem that we face, is yeah. it? Especially. No. <laughs> if it is, you have an unusual life. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they had that problem because in their city, uh, meat was offered to the, to the, to the Greek deities yeah. or animals. Then they were slaughtered. Then they were sold as cheap meat. And if you wanted to go get yourself meat, you went into the temple where there were chairs and tables just like this, and you ate. So if you're in Corinth, you want to go to the restaurant, you went to the temple. <coughs> so there, you've got a whole load of Christians going, well, should we be doing this? 
Am I okay to eat a ham sandwich that's been offered to the Delphic Oracle or not? <laughs> yeah. And they're facing all these sorts of issues, you see. So it becomes what we call an occasional epistle, where Paul writes to them because there's an occasion that he has to address. Now, that's just one, one example. The point I'm trying to make is, that I'm sure you're all aware of, is that before we talk about the authorship of the spirit behind that letter, we must first consider the human authorship behind that letter and the recipients of that letter. And this is the gap. So when you first pick up 1 Corinthians and read it, if you had the original, you would see that it would be in a different font, perhaps. I use that word reservedly, but you know, different handwriting style to if you had Luke's Gospel originally. That would be a different handwriting. If you opened the Psalms in the original, we don't have any of these originals, they're all gone. Don't buy them off eBay, they're fakes. They're gone. There are no originals of any of it. It's all gone. So far, anyway. It's unlike, we're more likely to find Patrick Trout and Doctor Who episodes than, than bits of the Bible now. It's, it's a long time ago, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. If you, opened up, if you opened up the Psalms and you had Psalm 90 and Psalm 91, in the original, you see they're written in different hands. Now you don't see that in your Times New Roman, NIV or NLT or BBC, whatever you, you've, you've got, right? But these were real people writing real letters. That's why some of the Psalms, they're so, actually, they're, they're quite depressing. If you read some, of them. some of the ones we don't sing. <laughs> Oh, God, where are you? Imagine we're doing that Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. Forsaken me. You know? Because cause they're real people. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Now, this is the gap. This is the gap. Now, let me do... I can do this. Look. Yeah. Look, someone once said, it's, it's like a bridge. You know? <coughs> can you see this? Yeah. Yeah. This is our back garden at the moment. <laughs> it's not, but, but, but we are 15 minutes away. <laughs> There's a book by uh, Deval and Hayes, who used to recommend to all the students. And Deval and Hayes talked about a river that required a bridge. So I want you to think of this side of the bridge over here. This is the Bible world, right? This is the first century. Yeah. Over here, this is us picking up a Bible today. Now, there is no way that you can really understand quite a bit. There are certain bits you can perfectly understand. God so loved the world, he gave his own son. Yeah. All right, you can, you can understand that. But there are a whole lot of other things that you won't really be able to understand without taking a bit of a walk. Yes? You with me? Yeah. Over here. Doing some work, doing some reading, right? This is something the Holy Spirit won't just do for you. There are ways that God might talk to you, but we're not, we're not talking about God. To, we're not so much talking about God's voice here. That would be a whole other topic. Yeah. Yeah. 
talking about how to understand the text. Yeah. So we have to go all the way over here, and we have to end up back here. And what we found is, as we've gone back there, we have moved out of our context yeah. into their context. We have moved out of our culture into their culture. And then if you want to do the Old Testament, you actually need a bit of a longer bridge than is available on the screen because you have to go into another covenant yeah. as well. So the Bible is a revelation of two things. Number one, the character of God. And number two, the covenants of God. So throughout the text, you have those two major themes. God's character and God's covenants. Now, if you just pick up the book of Leviticus, <laughs> there's a hymn that you should sing. It goes like this. There could be trouble. <laughs> if you just pick up a story or a text about you shall not wear two types of fiber. <laughs> if you are caught wearing two types of fiber, you shall die. <laughs> I'm glad I'm in this church. <laughs> Sign me up. I'll gift aid and everything. Because <laughs> what you've done there is you found yourself in the old covenant. Yeah. But not just that, you found yourself in the civil law yeah. of Israel. Which Paul did not carry around Asia Minor, giving out to the Colossians, the Ephesians, the Corinthians, the Galatians et al. Yeah. If you pick up a certain part of the Old Testament, you'll be told, gentlemen. Know <laughs> where that's going. <laughs> I don't feel the song There Could Be Trouble Ahead does it justice. You <laughs> 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 won't know a song from Sweeney Todd. <laughs> right, so if we go back to the, if you go over the bridge, and uh, you go back into this, and you think, ah, oh, well, this, yeah, well, this, we're going to bring this back over. Then you're going to find yourself being circumcised. And that's why it's always good to start with the New Testament, get to Galatians, and realize you don't have to do that first. Yeah. <laughs> Certain things cannot be undone. Read <laughs> <laughs> it in the correct order. Sorry, I mean, I'm making light of it, but, but you sort of get the spirit of what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, yes. What about if you, if you just picked up the story? By the way, and this really did happen, so I'm led to believe. You just picked up the story of Abraham saying, if you really love me, you will sacrifice your son on the, on the mountain. So you thought, well, this is what God requires of me. Right? So very, very... That's why we've, we've really got to be able to master this. Now... Now, because you've been in church for years, you've sort of got an instinctive understanding 
of what applies today and what doesn't apply today. Yeah. You hear different people preach about things, but you probably don't have kind of a formal understanding, or, or another way, you don't know why you understand it the way you do. That's a good point. So here's what we're looking for, and here's what, any, if anyone was like preparing a sermon, what they're really looking for are the theological principles that are found in any part of the text. So, for example, thousands of preachers all over the world, well, I guess we don't know, but certainly in the last year, have preached on David and Goliath. Is that a fair guess? Yeah. 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 Probably. I say that because I never have. <laughs> I never have. Really? No. <laughs> Gosh. You really something that I've got. Actually, I have. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just the terrible guy. I'm only 31. <laughs> now, if we look at the story of David and Goliath, what are we supposed to draw out of that? Now, instinctively, because you've listened to sermons, your instinct is, ah, what that story is about is that God is with the underdogs, maybe. You know, I'm kind of making this up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because something is huge doesn't mean we can't overcome it. Something like that. Yeah. If God's on your side, and by the way, we've, we're not always sure of that. We just assume that for ourselves, don't we? Mm-hmm. But if God's on our side, then we're going to... Uh, we don't normally think this is a Bible verse telling us to all tall people... <laughs> should be knocked out <laughs> no but what I'm saying is you've got an instinct that says that's not what it's about yeah. but the real truth is the reason it's not about that is because that's not the principle no. behind it mm. the principle behind it is, well, the things we've, we've talked about. And we can imagine them and discuss them and praise them. You know, just because I'm, I'm the underdog, I can still win. Or, or, or when someone is opposing God's plans, if I go forward in faith, they can be removed. You know, all sorts of things you can preach from it. Yeah. But these things are theological principles. That because we listen to sermons, we instinctively feel, yeah, yeah, no, that's what it means. Now, let me give you another example. And I, I, this is always dangerous territory because some of you may have done this. I don't suppose anyone here has killed a giant. <laughs> but you may have done this. You may have gone to the Bible and gone, right, we really need to have a new building. Mm-hmm. And you read that bit about the children of Israel walking around the walls. Yeah. So you see charismatics doing this all the time. Whoosh, ah, you know, going around with flags. <laughs> We're going to claim this building for the Lord and then we're going to march around. Now, it might bless you to march around it, but maybe that, that story has got absolutely nothing to absolutely. do with the 21st century. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Do you know that one of the most amazing things that happened in the Bible is that Balaam heard from God by listening to a donkey? 
Now, how many of you thought, Lord, we really need to know your will? Don't you say the There you are, approaching <laughs> Lord Neddy. <laughs> Lord, should I marry him? <laughs> yes or no? And you're at the mercy of the donkey going, <laughs> or worse still for him. <laughs> now nobody, nobody takes that story and says, well, that's the way you hear from God. No. But then we leap over to another story of, uh, what's it called, the guy who puts out the fleece. Gideon. Gideon. Oh, yeah, Gideon, yeah. And we're all okay with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to put out a fleece. It's exactly the same as the donkey story. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. What are you doing? Because, uh, let me just do a little side thing. Like, <laughs> most people who put out fleeces, they've got really a 70-30 chance of coming to pass anyway. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If the bus comes round the corner yeah. in the next, I don't know, half an hour, you know, it says like that, every 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll know that you want me to be a very wealthy man. <laughs> it doesn't come. Lord, I'm just going to give you another five minutes. <laughs> I'm putting half fleece. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. Now, now if, you, if you go to the story of the fleece, that's actually two grade A miracles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm yes. going to put my jumper out in the field. It's going to flood like it's workshop. <laughs> <laughs> and my jumper's going to be dry. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not, well, if she says this, and if by Wednesday that... <laughs> you're, just, you're just crazy. Right. Gideon asked for a grade A miracle. Lord, if Michael Jackson is driving the bus... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And even then he asked twice. Yeah. yeah. And even then when you read the story, it's he says, Lord, I know you've said this, but let me just ask you this. So even then he was actually acting in mm. disobedience. So look, so so there's there's two examples in the Old Testament. I didn't plan to say this, it's just sort of it's good stuff. But there's two examples in the Old Testament where one of them we absolutely reject. Why? Because we don't believe in talking donkeys, do we? <laughs> Nobody no. said <laughs> All right. Most people where I live don't believe in <laughs> People of Devon, who I represent, <laughs> do not believe in talking donkeys. <laughs> but we can put out a fleece, you know. Well, I'm just going to put out no, no, and thrice no. So, so I'll give you that, because that's a common example of what a charismatic Christian yeah. person might do. Thinking that this is from somehow in the Bible. <laughs> fine. If you want to put out a fleece, fine. Take your jumper and put your best cashmere sweater out in the garden tonight and let it rain and rain and rain. And if it's dry, then that, then that would fulfill that text. But even then, there's nothing in that text to suggest that what the author wants us to think is that that's what he's trying to communicate to us. No, it's true. Now, that brings me to the second little thing I wanted to say before we have we'll have a little break in a minute great I want you to uh, tonight I want to do two words or two phrases with you number one we've already done 
the theological principles. When I look at a text, any story in the Bible, anything, Jesus heals the sick, Paul escapes on a rope, Paul hangs onto planks in the sea, Noah builds an ark, whatever it might be. Isaiah says something at great length in poetry. Whatever it might be, what I'm actually looking for are the theological principles. And the theological principles are these. The things that are always true. Yeah. yeah. In any culture, in any era, in any time. Because these things are true concerning the relationship between yeah. God and people. So what does the story of Paul escaping you know, in a basket... What does that teach us today? Yeah. Well, it might teach us a whole lot of things, like things like, uh, well, if we're in danger, maybe more than prayer is required. Maybe we're supposed to use our common sense yeah. and escape out the window. Right? Yeah. I'm just thinking of something silly like, but something like that. One of the things that are true. So what we do is we're over here reading a bit of the Bible. You think, now I wonder, I wonder what this, I wonder what this really means. And before, listen to me, before you can work out what it means for you, you have to know what it originally meant. So I, I had a phrase I used to use, use at Manchester all the time. The Bible means only one thing. It means what it meant on the day it was written. That's what it means. Now, what that means for you, well, may not mean anything for you, or might mean a whole load of things for you. But what did it mean? Or what does it mean? It means what it meant. And so in order to know what it means, here I am here, reading my Bible, or preparing a sermon, or whatever, preparing life group, I'm going to give a word, or, you know, whatever. I want to know what it means. I've got to know what it, what it meant. Which means I have to be a work person, and I have to do a bit of reading and find out, well, what did this really mean? Not what does it mean for me. Yeah. What did it mean when it was written? On the day it was written... What did it mean? And sometimes I can look at a text. Uh, let's go back to that one about eating meat in the restaurant in the temple. So I, so I look at that text and think, well, there aren't any temples around here serving meat. So this isn't really a, this doesn't quite apply. But, but if I was a missionary in another part of the world, I might find a temple that was serving meat. And think, oh, now this does apply. Right, you with me? Mm. Yeah. But it doesn't really apply in little, does it? Going around. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it does around here. But... <laughs> <clears throat> I'm reliably told it's needle anyway. <laughs> is it? Now, yeah. All right. <laughs> what do you mean, is it? What do you want me to go? No, it's not. <laughs> 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 um, 
That's another thing I've learned tonight. I'm a bit concerned that no one's written anything down except that bit there. I learned something tonight. Yeah, yeah. Now, in that same text, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, look, for some of you, you might think it's okay to eat in that, in that temple restaurant, but other Christians don't think it's all right to eat in that temple restaurant. So even though it, it may be right or not right to eat in that temple restaurant, you be careful with the conscience of the person who doesn't think it's right. Yeah. You say, well, what has that got to do with us? A whole load of things to do with us. What about if I think it's okay to drink alcohol, but Nathan doesn't, and I take him to a pub? Mm. Right. So, well, what's that got to do with me and idols? Everything. Yeah. Because it's the same story, but in, in a different setting. When the Corinthian Christians were going to eat meat in those restaurants, one person thought this is okay. Another person thought it wasn't okay. And so the person who thought it was okay should not take along the person who didn't think it was okay. Because it, was, because it would sear the conscience of the person, irrespective of whether it was right or wrong. You with me? Yeah. So what we've done there, so I'm using that one by way of example. So I'm in 1 Corinthians 8. I'm looking at this thing, and what did all this meat and idols and temples mean? So I go, I find out what was going on in Corinth. I do a bit of reading around that, and then I think, now does this apply today? And then, and then maybe that's the moment there where the Holy Spirit today speaks to us. The living word starts to be active among us. But the living word being active among us is far better being active among us, among people who are skilled at rightly dividing the word of truth. So that when the Spirit speaks to me about a text, I'm not thinking to myself, I wonder if that's what it could ever have meant. Mm. We're not supposed to make this up as we go along, are we? No. Yeah. Now, how are we doing? Okay, let me just, let me do one thing for you before, you, before we have a little break. I want to show you a piece of text. Everyone happy? Yeah. yeah. Everyone okay for five more minutes? Yeah. yeah. Good. Got no choice, really. <laughs> <laughs> Have a read. I mean, you will anyway, whatever I do. Now, all I want you to do is give me some opinions. Who's it by? Um, is that a male or a female? We don't know. We don't know these days. We don't know. What's the relationship between Mel and Alex? We don't know. We don't know, but fairly close. Why? Because she says you're friends. 
The man it's written and the word love. Love? Yeah. yeah. Now, they're close. Let me ask you this um, question. Today, could a millennial male, let's say it's male, is it Mel Smith, right? Yeah. And uh, let's say, assume it's a, a man, but we don't know. What, what age are these people? Is there any, any, any clues? Over 21. But are they, are they in their 70s? No. no. Why not? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, like this, how are you? Yeah. So what kind of writing might that be then? A text message maybe? And they're American because they spelt favourite right. Right, very good. <laughs> so here, this is an American spelling. Yeah. Now, it could be two things. It could be an American, or it could be wrong. Mm. <laughs> it could be wrong. I want you to look at the word up. What does the word up mean in this piece of text? So where's the first up? Catch up. So what does what does up mean there? You got together with right. Somebody. So if I said to you, what does up mean? Mm. You'd all go, well, you know. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that there, does it? Up. No. So these are use of the word up. Is there another up? Yeah, what's up with Boris? What's up? Yeah. What's up? Well, that means something a bit different. Yeah. The word up, up yeah. is being used in a different way to catch up. Right. Yeah. Catch up sort of is a physical thing. Yeah. It's, it feels like physical, doesn't it? He, he caught up with Lawrence. But, of course, we don't know if that means on the phone. Right. Yeah. But then who says this was written in the 20th century? Maybe it's from the 18th century. Yeah. Oh, well, if it's the 18th century, then they haven't got a phone. So when he says he called up, he must have met him. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, here's my point. The date matters then. Yeah. Because if we, wherever we set it, determines what the words might mean. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So up, now you imagine, I'm preaching this, where's the, where's the up, what's up? And I'm preaching this and I say, now in the original English, the word up means something like up in the sky. And, and I stand there because I've got this, this English dictionary and, and, I, and I, tell my, I tell my congregation, well, the word up, it means up there. Well, that's not what it means when you throw up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, admittedly, there's a little bit of an ascent. <laughs> but lastly, we're going down, three up. <laughs> How are you? The NJ News. 
I wonder what that means. Yeah. Now you see, we'd have to go. We'd have to go over the bridge, wouldn't we? Yeah, yes. that's right. So you'd have to know what NJ stood for. New Jersey. I don't know. I had a catch up with Lawrence. He's really sick. What does that mean? Yeah. 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 Is it good? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Now, if it was written 50 years ago, it means he's really sick. <laughs> <laughs> but now it means he's great. <laughs> <laughs> just take a moment. Just, just look at your Bible again. Yeah. Thousands of years old. Everyone with me? Yeah. Let's just do a bit more. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> I was shattered by the time I got back. Yeah. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Shattered. What does that mean? <laughs> broken. Does it mean broken? No. It means tired. But if the next sentence said, but a glass shattered, you know, oh, well, that means it was broken. Yes. So, so even the word up means three different things. In the one text. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Three different things. Yeah. It doesn't mean all those things every time it's used. Right. It only means what it means at the time it's being used. Huh? Literally. Well, this is ridiculous, isn't it? People use this all the time. Oh, I'm dead, literally. <laughs> Just not. <laughs> And it's like an exaggeration, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, just terrible, literally. Yeah. Or these words that just slip into the language. Years ago when I was at college, I had a friend, and all the time she used to say, well, basically. <laughs> <laughs> basically, basically. It's just, now imagine if that was in the New Testament. Well, yeah. oh, we need to work out what the, what the word basically means. <laughs> Do you know what it means? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Let me give you an example of that. In the, in the Gospel of Mark, not every sentence, but almost every sentence in the Gospel of Mark begins with the word and. Now, in the older versions of the Bible, you might even see that. The more modern versions take it out. Because it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Mark isn't very good at grammar. <laughs> no, no, he's not. Yeah. Shock horror. <laughs> Paul is, had yeah. brilliant linguists and writers with him. But Mark, <laughs> uh, just and, he, he just puts and all the time. He also uses the word immediately all the time. <laughs> if you were marking him, you'd go, look, Mark, you just cut out a couple of these immediately. <laughs> so the NIV gives it a go and it, it tries to translate it differently all the time. At once, then, yeah. suddenly, <laughs> immediately. But it's, it's the Greek word uthios, just appears all the time. Yeah. But almost every sentence begins with and. So should that be translated or not? Well, that's a debate, isn't it? But, but modern translations don't. Because they recognise it's just a way of saying full stop for Mark. That's the same here, basically. It, just, it, it means nothing, does it really? What does basically mean? I'm really not sure. It's just, it's just there, isn't it? it yeah. 
right? Yeah. So, so similarly, you get like, I was shattered, literally. So the operation is going ahead. What, now, when you first went down, what did you think the operation was? Medical? Yes. King's Mill again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but of course, it could be a military operation. Couldn't it? And who's the one doing it? Maybe, maybe the writer is doing the operation, or maybe it's being done, but it's going ahead for L. Now, who might L be? Maybe Lawrence. But then we don't know, do we? We don't know. How's the joint? <laughs> I mean, anything, yeah. I'm guessing it's not beef. <laughs> And there you were going, it's definitely America. <laughs> yeah. You know the story of Paul Scanner, don't you? Yeah. He went to America, he was preaching there. Oh, and he said, I'm not going to be long, <laughs> because I know you all want to get out of here and have your Sunday joint. <laughs> <laughs> now, because he's from Yorkshire... <laughs> He's a bit of beef, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but they thought, he said to them, I won't be long because you're all drug addicts. <laughs> Half an hour's about your limit. <laughs> so you see, here's what happened. A preacher will say, well, the Greek word means... But actually, we don't really know what the Greek word often means. Yeah. We can roughly work out what it might mean here, mm. but there's no way that every time a word is ever used, it always means all the things. So let's, let's take the word joint. What does the word joint mean? A drug? A body. A place? Body part. A body part? Mm. Right? Yeah. It means all those things. Jane and I have a joint bank account. Mm. So she'll say to me, I've put the money in the joint. I don't go, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Or normally, darling, I'll put the money in the joint. But no, but you know, so, so we have shorthand. Now, here's the thing the word joint either means a place or a drug or a bit of beef. Or a joint account, or a bit of the body, but it doesn't mean all the things all the time. Yeah. So he's a classic preacher's mistake. Yeah. Well, the Greek word means la la la. Yeah. And all they mean is it might mean that. My favourite one, and you have to be careful because maybe Nathan did this on Sunday. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you got to be careful. Perhaps I should have listened to the last six. Months. I'm going to go to the toilet now. Here's my favourite one. <laughs> my favourite one is you shall receive. Power. Yeah. When the Holy Spirit comes by, and the word for power is dunamis, dynamite. The Holy Spirit is like dynamite. When was dynamite invented again? It's <laughs> 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 yeah. a good point. Good point. Well, that's what Paul had in mind. No, he didn't. <laughs> Right. Now, now you can make a theological point of it. 
you know, the Holy Spirit is like dynamite. But that's not what Luke meant or what Jesus meant when they said those words. Mm. Everyone understand? Yeah. 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 So we'll just finish this. What else? What's up with Boris in England? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing, you see, something like that might help you date yeah. Yeah. that, whatever that is. I didn't call it a text, I didn't call it an email, I didn't call it a letter. Is it a card? It looks like a text because of the you, right? You probably wouldn't write you in a card, but if you are a millennial, you might. Mm. But if they were older people, they would write differently to this. But if they're older people, then the word sick means sick. <laughs> As opposed to schlick. <laughs> but this thing, so I put this in. I made this up, you understand. What's up with boss? I put that to go, oh. Oh, well, maybe it means in the Brexit era. Yeah. Or perhaps it's Boris Karloff's tour of Britain yeah. to promote Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. See you at Stratford. Stratford where? Stratford, England? Stratford, Ontario? Yeah. Hopefully Tower will be nice and cough up in time. Yeah. What did you read when you read Tower? A person? A company? Right? Yeah. So, here's the thing. Spent half an hour looking at a fictitious text <laughs> from nobody to nobody. But here's the thing to fully get what any of that means, you have to know a whole load of things. You have to know who wrote it, or you have to have an idea. You need to know who they are, what's their relationship, and then you have to be really careful with the words because the words mean what they mean only in context. So literally does not mean literally there, even though that's exactly what the word is. Everyone understand? Yeah. Yes. So just before you have your break, look, when you open your Bible, you've got exactly, this is exactly the same. It's written by X to Y. Even Matthew's Gospel is likely written to a community of people. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you who are those people? That helps us understand what all this is about. And then when we start looking at the word, well, what did the word, I don't know, dunamis mean? Not in ancient Greek, but in, in, in 50 AD, what, what, what did it mean? And then this opens up a whole load of, of issues for us. So it was, it was fictitious. But, it, but it's sort of designed to help you go that this is what you've got in front of you every day when you read this. Mm -hmm. <coughs> An alien old book, thousands of years old, right? Yeah. So I said I'd do two words. Here's the second. The first was theological principles. The second is this. We must know the authorial intention. For authorial Put author and then put I A L at the end. Before you go, O R, what? <laughs> the authorial intention. What did the author mean? 
So I promise you, I promise you'll get your vote, but just look. The only thing that NJ means, watch me, is what Alex thinks it means. Right? The only thing that Boris means is what Alex thinks it means. You may think it means Boris Johnson, but I, I know Alex meant another Boris. Alex, Boris is Mel's brother. And that and the, he's gone off to England. Right? So to, the, the only thing it means, the only thing tower means, is what Alex thinks it means. And the only thing that the Bible means is what the authors thought it meant. Yeah. Which is why we've got to cross that bridge to learn well, what's really going on. Okay, I've gone on too long. Have five minutes. Great stuff. And we'll come back for the last hour in a minute. <laughs> now, looking at that, I'm going to do a quick change. You ready? Yeah. Oh, so let's do something a bit more important. Yeah. Anyone know where this is from? Revelation. 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 Yeah. Three? Yeah. yeah. Revelation three. Uh, it's, it's not a Bible quiz, but anyone know who this is to? Lodicea, is it? Lodicea. Yeah. Who's it from? John. John. Jesus. Well, yeah, it's, right? John yeah. and Jesus. Yeah. And by the way, the Spirit. Yeah. That he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Mm -hmm. But yes, essentially, John. John is the scribe. Yeah. Now, I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. So at first class, okay, they're not they're not a great church, isn't that sort of what he's saying? <laughs> but I want to know, and some of you will know where I'm going to go with this already, which is great. If you don't, you'll probably enjoy this. So I said to myself, well, what does the Lord mean when He says these things to the city of Laodicea? Um, and so what I do is I, I go back over the bridge, don't I? I can't work this out myself. Now, I'm not trying to be irreverent. I'm just trying to be honest. No matter of praying, it's going to help me know historical information. Mm. And if it does, you are amazing. <laughs> Most of us have to read a book. Yeah. Right? Many, many years ago, we had a system of downloading. And it was called this, reading. <laughs> <laughs> anyone remember that? Yes. And it wasn't all done in two and a half minutes with fibre optic broadband. It was called reading. So when I look at the city of Laodicea, Here's what I learn. I learn 
that they had no uh, personal water supply in their city. Did anybody know this? Okay, well then, you'll find this really interesting. They had no personal water supply. Nearby to them were the hot springs at a city called Hierapolis, literally the city of the priest. And then closer still, or equidistant, was the city of Colossae, where the epistle to the Colossians goes. And, uh, and they had uh, lovely, uh, cool water there. So if you wanted really cold water, you went to Colossae. And if you really wanted a hot bath, then you went to, to Hierapolis. But in order to get hot water to Laodicea, it has to travel through a pipe over some distance. And the distance is so great. So you can finish my sentence. By the time the hot water has arrived in Laodicea, it's no longer hot. Mm. It's warm. Yeah. Recently, our, our heater broke in our house. You know. You, you know that day when it got really cold? That day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that very day. Convenient. And uh, it's one of those like little consoles on the wall of the of the kitchen that any sort of timings come on. And all of those was like a un, an unhappy face. The viewer says no. And so you know what it's like when you're dancing around in the last vestiges of the hot water from the morning before. Oh, it's lovely, it's lovely, you know. It's awful. By the time the water arrived in Laodicea, it was lukewarm. So... Anyone in Laodicea reading this, anyone in the area of Laodicea reading this, probably knows that. So there's a little detail that the original readers get that we don't get. Now, the issue is it doesn't really matter too much because you still understand that here, Jesus doesn't want them to be lukewarm, right? Yeah. Well, what's interesting in this text is that being cold is all right. And that would be strange, wouldn't it? When's the last time you had an altar call here? Anyone who wants to be cold for the Lord? <laughs> forward. Eventually. <laughs> in the fullness of time. <laughs> Because normally we think of cold for the Lord as wrong. But here, it's okay to be cold. Because in, in the city of Colossae, cold was good. It was, it was nice. It was refreshing to be cold. So in this particular text, when Jesus said, well, I would rather you're hot or cold, the, that's kind of missing the reference. The reference is to the, to the pipe coming in to the city. But there's more. There are three things the city of Laodicea was known for. It had its own bank. 
They were so rich that in 60 AD, there was a giant earthquake hit the region. And normally the imperial government, Rome, would offer financial support. A bit like politicians going around now going, we really care about floods. <laughs> yeah. so, so, and I'm sure some of them do. But, but so, so the imperial government would offer financial assistance. Laodicea was so rich, listen to this, they turned down the offer of help. Wow. Can you imagine a local yeah. council doing that? <laughs> <laughs> no thanks, pay for it ourselves. <laughs> because they said, we're rich. It was a status symbol for them. To turn down imperial funding. It was just unheard of. But they had their own bank in that, in that city. Not only did they have their own bank, but they also had their own textile factory. The textile factory was made of black wool. And the style, I was chatting with Jane in the car about styles, you know you can get like a cashmere sweater or a, what did you say, an, an Aran jumper? So in those days, you could go and get yourself a Laodicean, which didn't mean a husband or wife. <laughs> it meant a, t a type of garment that was black. What colour? Black. You see, Jesus says to them, well, you guys need to be wearing white garments. So here, the word white, in that context, is much more significant than it would be to you reading it. Because it's different to the, the black woolly garments that they all wore. He's telling them, I want you to... It, the issue is not so much white and black as in good, bad, light and darkness type. It's much more to be distinct from the culture. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't. So when you see white, you think, "Oh, it means pure." Well, there may be an element of that. There really may be an element of that. But it might also be a stand aside from your culture comment. Yeah. Right. You with me? Yeah. Now, there's no way the Holy Spirit could reveal that. You'd have to research that, wouldn't you? And the other, then the third thing they had was they had their own eye hospital. Yeah. So they were famous for a for a powder that would just ease people's sore eyes. So here, you say I'm rich, speaking to the, the culture of the city. So in other words, if you like, what theological principle could you draw out of this? The church must not adopt the culture of the day. Yeah. Everyone with me? Yeah. That's a principle you, you would draw out of this. So if you were going to unpack this, you would say, well, the city was like this, yeah. the church had taken on its characteristics, and it shouldn't have. It's not really about eye hospitals and clothes and gold. It's not really about that. It's about synchronizing with the culture. Yeah. That's what the theological principle of the text is about. But of course, you only get that if you go over the bridge and go snoop around in, in your TARDIS travel back to Laodicea through the download of reading. Yeah. Right? So, 
Let me read it. You say I'm rich, I'm prospered, I have, and I need nothing. Do you remember what happened in 60 AD? They turned down the loan. Yeah. They turned down the grant, rather. Right? I need nothing. So they were known for, you don't, you know, we don't need anything. We're fine. Thank you very much, Rome. But, you know, no thanks. Yeah. We need nothing. That's what that means. That's what that means. You, but you're not realising that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, which is not what they thought they were, blind, remember the eye stuff? That's not what they thought they were, and naked, remember the clothes? Yeah. So these three words here, <coughs> particularly, are a direct, uh, what should we say? Confronting the culture mm. of their city. And so he wants them to buy from him. I love this. I, I preach this. People think that everything in Christianity is free. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. You have to buy this. That means you have to trade something. It, it can't be bought with money, but it can be bought with other things. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I, I won't preach. I counsel you to buy from me, and look, gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich. White garments, so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. I say, oh, that, isn't that extraordinary? So in that, just that little piece, you've got the pipe, you've got the hospital, You've got the bank, you've got the earthquake, yeah. and you've got the textile factory. Just in those verses. Now they're invisible to us. Because we're in 2019. Yeah. Our main concern is how is EastEnders at Christmas going to be any good? <laughs> and I, I, I want to prophesy tonight. No. <laughs> <laughs> See, all I did was I got myself this little this little beauty from Book Eight for fifty p, or you know whatever it was. This is for poetry. When you walk into a, a Christian bookshop, you're normally surrounded by what I call the paperbacks, and you don't really see the hardbacks now. That's a figure of speech, because this is a paperback. But normally, you walk into a Christian bookshop, or go on a... And you just see a glowing picture of the author smiling. God loves you just the way you are. By someone who's had plastic surgery. <laughs> really got that. I think that is almost true what I just said there. <laughs> but, but there are these other books that they haven't really got groovy covers of the look at that. Ooh. What? They're a picture. Yeah. Where's Benny in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's their you know, where's their groovy picture? <laughs> no. But inside these, this this is what yeah. scholars have written. Now I used to say to our students all the time. I used to say to our students all the time, it looks like we're running out of time. I used to say to our students all the time, scholars are very, very 
poor masters, but sometimes they can be very good servants. So a book like this might not bring you into the depths of the anointing of God. But this is the kind of little book, a commentary, or a Bible dictionary, um, that's not intended to, this, isn't in, this book is not intended to enrich my discipleship. But it is intended to, to enable my mind to understand because of the great historical work that Leon Morris has done on my and your behalf. Yeah. Right? Um, help us understand the text. Yeah. So the two key things. It's good that it's just, good. As we, yeah. just as we close. Two key really things. Good. Whenever you open up the Bible, And particularly when you're in, I want to say something a bit more obscure, but you, everyone understands what I mean by that. Yeah. There are two ways the Bible speaks. One is this. God says, do not commit adultery. The other is the story of David and Bathsheba. Mm. But both of them say, do not yeah. commit adultery. Yeah. One says it through a story, and the other says it directly. So where there are things in the Bible that are direct statements, it's easy. Yeah. You know, do not bear false testimony. Do not do this, do that. Be grateful always. Be joyful always. Rejoice in the Lord. Right? Do not let sin reign over your body. There, there are direct statements. And, and you don't need to do a lot of you don't need to do a lot of bridge work. You don't need to do a lot of study to really work out what that is. Someone asked me last night in a in a restaurant late at night in Cambridge, they said, we talk about the Bible, and I said this. They asked me about a certain passage, and I said, Look, I've got enough problems with the bits of the Bible I do understand. Yeah. <laughs> So there are some things that don't need a huge amount of explanation, or at least they shouldn't do. But there are all sorts of... The fact that the Bible is written in stories means that a little bit of decoding needs to go on. But intelligent and scholarly decoding. As we look for, well, what does this story say about God? That's always true. Not just true in Israel, not just true for Jonah in Babylon, yeah. not just true for the book of Revelation, or not just true for Jesus in his day. One of the things in this text that are always true, because those are the theological principles, things that are about God and about his relationship with us. And the second burning question, and with this we finish, okay? The second burning question is this. What is the authorial intention? What did Luke mean here? What did Jesus mean? What did it originally mean? Not what do I think it means, but what did the original author mean? What did John mean by 
what I sell. Well, he meant a reference to their hospital. King's Mill, Laodicea. <laughs> but that's, that's what he meant. So we ask ourselves, as we are trying to understand the Bible, we ask ourselves those two questions. What are the things that I can bring over the bridge? I've gone back over, I've had a good look around Corinth, and I've packed my bags, and here are the things I can bring back into my life. And, and as a preacher, for me, into your life. Yeah. Here are the truths I can, I can bring back over the bridge. And there are other parts, like fibres, and eating locusts, and circumcision. I can leave on the other side of the bridge. But here are the things I'm bringing back over. What is the theological principle in this story? And what did the author mean? And if I can begin, not never end, but begin to get a handle on that. I don't have to have all this in my head. I can go out and I can buy a little book. Yeah. If I can begin to get a handle on this, then I can step from the Bible world yeah. onto the tube of, yeah. of my world and not fall down the gap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Next week we'll talk about the three C's. We'll talk about culture, context, mm. and covenant. And what we'll do as a shock grand finale <laughs> is we'll zero in a on a few people's favourite verses yeah. that have been underlined so heavily in your Bible there's now a rip there <laughs> <laughs> and we'll begin to ask the difficult question which means I'll never be invited back again <laughs> <laughs> did he really mean that? Mm. what did it really mean? it's good Peter yeah. what did it really mean? yeah Finish with this one phrase. Somebody once said, education is very expensive. And it, you know, it is. Ignorance. 